0: Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Vitamin A... I believe, is the superstar ingredient if you want the most results for your skin. And I think that's the topic of today, Rose. We're talking all about vitamin A and my favourite, and I think it's yours too, is retinaldehyde.
1: Agreed, yes. Love the effects of retinaldehyde on the skin. Um, see some great results with many skin conditions using that ingredient. I, I do love it. I have to say that.
0: I think... One of the things we're talking about today is vitamin A, obviously, but I think you know, it's important to get across the message that there's lots of different types of vitamin A because I was, in, I was in a store the other day and the girl in there was recommending a cream and she said, oh, this is a really good one because it's got retinol in it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know this cream had retinol in it because it was a sort of quite a, a luxury product that's trending at the moment and I was very surprised that it had retinol anyway then when I picked up the ingredients it wasn't retinol it was retinol palmitate um and I thought oh the girl recommending it had seen the word retinol palmitate thinking it was retinol and then I had a conversation with somebody else the other day saying oh I've got this amazing vitamin A cream from France I'm going to get some for you it's retinol and again I looked at it and it was a retinol ester that didn't have much evidence behind it at all and then i thought well really we should talk about vitamin a because there's so many different types of vitamin a and i don't think people actually realize the difference between retinol palmitate retinol retinal um, and then retinoic acid and they're all very very different and i think vitamin a goes under the same umbrella but they have very different effects in the skin or different grades of efficacy i guess so how do you find in clinic when clients are coming in? Do they do they ask you about vitamin A?
1: Yes, clients do ask, and they're also very confused. Um, and there's a lot of misleading information because essentially vitamin A or it, that particular terminology, terminology vitamin A, is an umbrella. Mm. There's lots of different derivatives, um, formulations, um, and it really is important to, I guess, understand how different types of vitamin A work in the skin. And from a therapist's point of view, what you're going to prescribe for that client's skin condition to achieve the results without irritation, you want something that's stable, um, that's not going to cause any adverse reactions. So, yeah, a lot of clients will come in and say, oh, I've used Retinol on my skin and I can't use it. It creates a reaction. I get dryness, irritation, flakiness when you get further into the conversation you realize okay well you're using something that's really not in the correct formulation or the correct type for your skin so it's causing a lot of irritation because of that reason they could also be using something that's been a prescription-based vitamin a as well so that's also another topic of discussion um you know learning to understand how that works in the skin and what what conditions it can perhaps worsen as well
0: yeah definitely well let's let's Break down each different type of vitamin A and explain what they are and what they do, I think, because that will make things a little bit more simple for people to understand. But first of all, you know, vitamin A in general, I find out of any skincare ingredient, vitamin A is the ingredient that, in my experience, I've seen the biggest change in the skin. But that's providing, obviously, you get the right product for your skin. But I've seen, you know, smoothness, clarity, evenness of skin tone, you know, just that general improvement of healthy, glowing skin. So for me, if you're going to invest in anything, invest in a good vitamin A. But we need to know which one to invest in (laughs) because there's so many different ones out there. Out of all forms of vitamin A, the most researched, the most evidence is retinoic acid. And retinoic acid is the most potent form of vitamin A. And because it's the most potent form, that's why you see it being the most effective, but you also can get quite a bit of irritation with it. Because it's the most potent, it is prescription only from a medical practitioner. So it is a doctor prescription product. It cannot be bought in a skin centre, for instance, or it can't be bought in a department store, it has to be prescribed by a doctor.
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, And using retinoic acid directly on the skin does create a lot of irritation. Long-term use of that ideally um, isn't good or healthy for the skin. It will thin out the skin barrier. It will really increase that cell turnover rate to such a degree where it actually can create light sensitivity, um, redness, dryness, flakiness. So you've just got to be quite mindful of long-term use of um, prescription-based vitamin A or retinoic acid.
0: And I think when it comes to prescription-based vitamin A, and neither of us are doctors or dermatologists, so just to make that clear, I think it also depends on the strength of the vitamin A that's been prescribed because some are in very low doses and you're not going to get such extreme side effects and long term it should actually help to thicken the dermis really it should actually help to um, benefit the skin so it really does depend on the strength of the vitamin A and how irritating it is. The stronger forms tend to be recommended more for acne and those types of conditions, but sometimes it's also recommended for general aging and sun damage. I have used a prescription vitamin A a few years ago, and I, I shouldn't really say this, but I'm this is all about being truthful on the podcast. <laughs> I was given this vitamin A by a friend who said who was really into vitamin A and said try this see what you think of it so I was given a very low dose vitamin A which I used and to be honest I didn't really get sensitivity it was very low dose and I did see improvements in my skin very quickly just sort of instant clarity improved radiance I was like wow my goodness what is in this stuff it's amazing Um, but it was prescription and I didn't go back to my doctor to get a renewal of the prescription because my doctor's very old school and I think you know I, I didn't really have a reason to take it apart from anti-aging so I then went back on to an over-the-counter type vitamin A so I do think it depends on the strength of the vitamin A you can be on a low dose and you can get great results um, it really depends if somebody is overusing it as well because as this particular friend somehow had got all of these prescription vitamin A's and was using the high dose and I must admit, did look very waxy and shiny and looked a little bit overdone. But I think when used correctly, you can get really good results with it um, when under good care of a good doctor or dermatologist. So I think, first of all, there's, there's that side to it. But it is prescription. We then go down to the next form of vitamin A, which is our favourite, I think, the retinaldehyde also known as retinal, which is R-E-T-I-N-A-L. Have I spelled that correctly? Um, so retinal or retinaldehyde, and that's the form of vitamin A that is closest to retinoic acid without a prescription. The reason I like retinaldehyde is that it is less sensitising than, say, a retinol, but it is more Um, effective it also out of all the retinols or vitamin A's we know that retinoic acid has the most evidence but that is prescription only the next form of vitamin A that is backed by the most evidence is retinaldehyde not so much your retinol um, there is some evidence but it's retinaldehyde that has best evidence and gives the best results But from a formulating um, perspective, retinaldehyde is one of the hardest forms of vitamin A to formulate with. And that's because it's highly unstable. So it's hard to formulate with. And as a result, um, most people or most brands won't choose retinaldehyde to formulate because you have to stabilise it. And also, it is extremely expensive. So there's not that many retinaldehyde products available. Because one, it's expensive and two, you have to really stabilise it to make sure that you're going to get a very good form of vitamin A because if it oxidises, it's not going to be as effective. So that's the downside of retinaldehyde. You need to get a good quality one.
1: Agreed. And vitamin A is one of the most unstable ingredients. So unless it is formulated correctly, it can be very ineffective and and you do have that oxidisation process. In clinic, I find um, prescribing retinaldehyde, it suits most skin conditions um, and it will achieve incredible results for skins without the irritation. So it is the most powerful form, Mm. I feel. Um, Very good to support in clinic procedures. Uh, You'll see changes in conditions such as melasma, acne uh fine lines wrinkles general aging sun damage you know it's and even rosacea i find is very good with vitamin a as long as the rosacea is managed um because it does have anti-inflammatory properties as well so you know i do feel like vitamin a it is a very useful very diverse ingredient as long as it's the right one for your skin
0: yeah and you're talking about retinol in particular
1: here Yes, yes, I am speaking about retinaldehyde, retinaldehyde here. Um, that is the one form of vitamin A that I prescribe the most in clinic because I know it's just predictable um, and results orientated without irritation. Mm. And it's
0: my favourite too because of the evidence and because of the results. But interestingly, most skin therapists prescribe retinol for the reason that I said because retinaldehyde is quite hard to get. So if you can get a really good retinaldehyde, then... Fantastic, but they do tend to come at a slightly higher price point as well because it's such an expensive and such a fragile ingredient.
1: Correct. Yeah. If you can get a good one, um, I do have a good one in clinic that um, is very predictable and very effective on skin. And the minute clients start using it, um, they notice such a change in their skin in, in the um, color, the tone, the feel, the smoothness of the skin. And, and with acne, it's incredible. Um, and the beauty about retinaldehyde is that you can start in a low dose and gradually build up and increase that dosage for clients to become more effective within their skin. However, more is not always better. Every skin is different. So I'll have some, some skins that can tolerate a very high percentage of retinaldehyde, but then I'll have other skins that will only be able to tolerate a lower dose of retinaldehyde. And that's okay. We're still seeing the changes. Um, you're much better off using that lower dose of vitamin A more regularly mm-hmm. than using a higher dose of retinaldehyde less frequently and, um, you know, experiencing a lot of irritation that comes with that.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think as well, when, we when it comes to vitamin A, the skin can only tolerate so much. Um, it can only, uptake so much vitamin a and then when it's had enough it stores it in the skin anyway it's sort of retinol palmitate is the form of vitamin a that tends to get stored in the skin and it's there to protect the skin Um, almost acting as you know against lipid peroxidation and oxidation so i don't believe and i'm of the belief that you don't need to have really high amounts and really force the skin and if you're red and you're peeling that's not necessarily a good thing just because it's more doesn't necessarily it's going to be more beneficial. So I'm of the belief of sort of slow and steady wins the race and we're sort of gently coaching the skin into working at its optimum rather than slam it with it, slamming it with the highest amount. I have used other forms of vitamin A that have been quite sensitizing and ended up with redness and irritation to the point where I just don't want to use it all the time because you're going to have downtime and you don't know, you know, you want your skin to be looking its best. So I love retinaldehyde because it does tend to be more gentle. It does come in different percentages. I think the thing to be aware of is different types of vitamin A come with different usage amounts of vitamin A. So what you would need in retinaldehyde would be much less than what you would need in retinol. So I always try and encourage people not to get caught up with the percentages. Because if you just look at the individual percentage, it does depend on how stable that form of vitamin A is. It depends on the delivery system. It also depends on what else that vitamin A is mixed with. So if you've got other ingredients in there that are going to help with skin clarity, rejuvenation, etc., you may not need such a high amount of the the vitamin A or the retinaldehyde or the retinol. So I do encourage people, don't get too caught up with the percentages. Trust the company that you're buying has given you the evidence-based amount of vitamin A to get a result because you do need a certain amount to get a result. But what else it is blended with has a huge effect because there may be ingredients added for skin barrier protection, calming ingredients. There may be other ingredients added um, to enhance the efficacy of the vitamin A. So all of that has to be taken into consideration rather than you know more is better. And as we've spoken before, sometimes that can actually be a red flag.
1: Right. Um, and combining ingredients is a really good point because if there's a client that's on a protocol for pigmentation, for example, retinaldehyde is an ingredient that I would certainly introduce into their home care skincare regime. But more often than not, they're also on tyrosinase inhibitors. They may be having some actives um, to encourage cell turnover as well to help with that, like lactic acid, for example. Um, so you want to ensure that the percentage of the retinaldehyde ingredient or vitamin A product that you're using is going to collaborate very well with those other ingredients. And you certainly don't want to be combining ingredients like vitamin C with vitamin A at the same time. You want to separate that. Obviously, vitamin C is something you would use during the day. Um, and another ingredient that I would also combine at the same time as using vitamin A or retinaldehyde is your vitamin B because I do find that creates a, a fantastic um, or a result with skin barrier. So it, it basically prevents that adverse reaction that can happen with vitamin A sometimes, um, you know, avoiding that dryness, that irritation. So it tends to have a much better delivery, um, you know, from, from a skin barrier function point of view by utilizing your vitamin B with it. Yeah,
0: Even with vitamin C, sometimes you can mix it depending on the form of vitamin C. So, if it's L ascorbic acid, it might be too irritating, but there's more fat soluble forms that can actually be of vitamin C that can be really beneficial. Um, So, again, you know, I always say final formula is king because if you've got a really good product and it's really well developed, you'd be surprised at what you can actually mix together and what's been designed to actually work together. I also think, you know, adding things like squalane, ceramides, those types of things with the retinols can be really beneficial as well to optimise skin barrier function too. So what else is
1: added can make a huge
0: difference. So retinaldehyde, you said you've got a good one. Is that the Medicaid one?
1: It is, yes. Uh, The crystal retinol is the most predictable form of retinaldehyde product that I've ever used in clinic. Um, it is so effective on skin. It's great to be able to have something that has, you know, a variety of percentages that you can really be very specific with a client's skin when prescribing this product it works extremely well for acne um, as well as those conditions that are experiencing signs of aging, pigmentation, Um, and overall lack of an even tone in the skin as well. It's just such a brilliant product. I tried it recently actually
0: because everybody was saying, oh, it's a great product. And I do like the actual retinaldehyde that they use. It's an encapsulated retinaldehyde um, that comes from the States, which I really like. However, when I first started using it, and we always say, you know, the pros and the cons, (laughs) Um, the thing I couldn't get past was the texture was quite thick. And the smell for me was really off-putting. I don't know what the smell was, but I just didn't like the smell. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can use this. Everyone's saying it's really good. Saying that, I persevered, and I did see really good results. So I think for me, the texture and the smell were quite off-putting, so if it's quite a thick product. But I did definitely see results with it, which I thought were really good. The other retinaldehyde product that I think is pretty good, which is quite a new product, is the Caroline Hirons Skimrocks Vitamin A. Um, that's a really well formulated retinoid product. It's got retinaldehyde in it. It's also got the newer form of retinol, which is a Grand active retinol. And it's a combination of forms of vitamin A. And that one, I really like the texture and the smell of. That one I got really good results with as well. And that one is an English product. I think you can get it online and have it delivered to Australia. But if you're in the UK, you can definitely buy it. I know Space NK does it. You can buy it online from um, Skin Rocks. But that, I thought, was a really good retinaldehyde alternative too. But I know the Medicaid one is one that is also very, very popular and for good reason because the retinaldehyde you do get really good results with. But have you heard of the Granactive Retinol?
1: No, I haven't. And I'm very keen to find out more. So Gran Active Retinol is a
0: newer form of vitamin A. It's basically an ester of retinoic acid. So we know that retinoic acid, prescription only, best evidence. Then we've got the retinaldehyde, best evidence form of vitamin A for, you know, the consumer to be able to go and buy without a prescription. That, that is your retinaldehyde, which we both love. Then you've got... Gran active retinol, which mm-hmm. is a newer form. Um, this is like retinol, if you like, but you don't get the irritation that you tend to get with retinol. So it's less irritating than retinol. Um, so that is gran active retinol R-E-T-I-N-O-L it's the newer form it tends to be more stable um, particularly more stable to light and air which is another reason why some companies now are choosing the gran active retinol over say the retinaldehyde the retinaldehyde has better evidence so I want to be clear with that this does have some positive evidence behind it um, and so I quite like this one and it's quite interesting i think if you can combine gran active retinol with retinaldehyde that could be quite interesting as well but it tends to be less irritating than retinol retinol is the one that is in most skincare products you know most cosmeceutical ingredients have retinol R E T I O R E T I N O L. retinol um Again, not as much evidence as retinaldehyde, but we can still see some really good results with retinol products. I do find with retinol, though, it can be quite irritating. And of course, you know, you've got um, oxidation issues as you would have with the retinoic acid as well. The problem with retinol, as well, there's all different grades of retinol. You can have encapsulated retinol, you can have non encapsulated retinol, as you can with retinaldehyde as well so it does ultimately come down to the brand that you're using how stable is their formula how have they encapsulated is there a delivery system because you could have a high percentage of retinol that is less stable than a lower percentage and it could also be more irritating so this is where it gets really confusing for skin professionals and for consumers as to know which is a good product to buy my advice is the proof of the pudding is in the eating if you've been recommended a product if if you're getting good results with it you're not getting you know a lot of redness and irritation then it's probably a great product for you if you're not getting the results and you're just getting irritation then it might not be such a great quality product
1: Yes, that sounds, that sounds exactly right. Um, and it also comes down to picking the skin. Mm. You know, I've got retinol in the clinic as well that I do occasionally prescribe with, um, but I really pick my skins with that ingredient. You know, those thicker, more sun-damaged skins, um, they generally tend to be okay, but I do have, um, I am partial to retinaldehyde. I would much rather have that delivery system in the skin and more predictable, less irritating, and still achieve the results that I'm looking for.
0: Mm, I I agree with you, Rose. There's also retinol palmitate as well. And retinol palmitate is R-E-T-I-N-Y-L palmitate. That is also a derivative of vitamin A, but it tends to be the weakest form it's in a lot of skincare products and this was the one that was in a product that a sales assistant was sort of recommending to me saying oh it's really great because it's got retinol in it and then it's retinol palmitate now retinol palmitate it's fine it, it's antioxidant it's great for people with um you know starting out on vitamin a and you can sort of work your way up but it is the weakest form if you like so retinol palmitate has to convert to retinol then it has to convert to retin- um, retinaldehyde then to retinoic acid so you're not going to get the same results that you would get from say a retinoic acid or a, or a retinol, um, and that's important to understand but it still can have its place in skincare I believe and I think sometimes that's a nice form of vitamin A Nice is such a terrible word, but it, it, it's a good start starting block to work your way up to, but you won't get such incredible results, I think, from retinol palmitate, but it's, it's
1: in there for a reason. It is in there for a reason and for a sensitive skin, you know, truly sensitive skin, it's a nice introduction. Um, you certainly won't see the results. That you would using retinol or retinaldehyde. However, it is it can be quite a nice introduction for a young skin, sensitive skin. Um, yeah, it's it's a good place to start. But yeah, results can definitely be limiting.
0: Yeah. And I mean, your skin stores retinol palmitate, and it's it's will use yeah. it as required. Um, and it can also act as an antioxidant in a way. So I think it has its its place. I do think as you've said the retinaldehyde tends to be our favorite but if you can't get retinaldehyde then there are other forms of vitamin a such as retinol or the Active now which tends to be less irritating than retinol um that is available so it is a case of really sort of understanding your ingredients and finding a product that works for you what is interesting i had a conversation with someone the other day and they were like oh you know this um Vitamin A, the skincare brand is telling me that you can use it when you're pregnant and I'm not sure about that. What do you think? And this is quite a controversial topic. Can you use vitamin A when you're pregnant? A lot of people ask this and some people say yes, you can and some people say no, you can't. So what are your thoughts, Rose?
1: Comes down number one to the formulation. (laughs) Retinol palmitate, if I had to prescribe someone to use vitamin A, You could get away with it. However, um, I generally do avoid vitamin A during pregnancy, even though there's not enough evidence to say that it's going to create birth defects using a small amount topically. We tend to stay on the side of caution. Um, And also because skin barrier and skin response changes during pregnancy. So, adding in a retinol or a retinol palmitate or any form of vitamin A products can actually make the skin's response very unpredictable. So pregnancy is a category in its own. There are derivatives um, or other alternatives to vitamin A called bactyl peptides, plant-based derivative, which has the same action as a vitamin A when used on the skin. That can be an excellent alternative. I know that you have a few things to say about that product. Um, it's very gentle. You're not, you're certainly not going to see the results that you would with a vitamin A product. However, it can be quite effective for some skins experiencing acne during pregnancy. Um, I know that a lot of my pregnant clients would always want to use a product that is safe during pregnancy. So I always just tend to stay on the side of caution with vitamin A and go more towards your back control. Mm, I
0: think ultimately it comes down to the percentage of the vitamin
1: a that's in the product it
0: depends on the form of the vitamin a something like your retinol palmitate in a low dose that is in a lot of skincare ingredients probably don't realize how many products have retinol palmitate in there it's probably in a low dose and it would be highly unlikely for retinol palmitate to convert to retinol to, to retinaldehyde to retinoic acid it would have to be in a very high amount for it to have any issues so retinol palmitate tends not to be such an issue retinol retinaldehyde again have to convert to retinoic acid would have to be in a high amount i don't believe there is any evidence as you've said that it causes birth defects but most skincare companies as a safety protocol will say avoid whilst pregnant and that's purely just for ultimate safety to protect their brand and also to protect the person that's that's using it. It's just a safeguard. Um, When it comes to, say, the prescription vitamin A, retinoic acid, topical retinoic acid is definitely a no-no when it comes to pregnancy. And, of course, really, it's your ingestible vitamin A that you have to be most careful with. So you get vitamin A in your diet. If you're then taking a supplement with vitamin A in, that is when you have to be careful. And in the form of even retinol palmitate, ingestible um, again vitamin A can build up to toxic levels in the body and then it could potentially be an issue so you have to be very careful with supplements during pregnancy and always take a supplement that is designed for pregnancy you did bring up um, I call it bucucciol, depends how you pronounce it yeah. um, I back to <laughs> it's not my favorite ingredient and I think probably because what really grinds my gears is when brands call it retinol or plant retinol, or they put retinol on the label. There was a product I was given the other day and it said retinol. And then I looked at the label and there's no friggin' retinol in it. And it really irked me. It was Bacuchiol. And that's fine, but don't say it's retinol when it's not retinol. It's not retinol. Bacuchiol has been shown to have retinol-like um, results, but you have to make sure that it's being used in the right percentage and it has to be used twice a day instead of the once a day with vitamin A. So there are there are things that come with it. You know, you, you've got to use it twice a day, it's got to be in a set percentage. So I'm I have tried it. I haven't seen great results with it, but it is an alternative if you can't actually use vitamin A in its true form or a retinol or a retinaldehyde. Saying that as well with um retinol retinaldehyde some people can't use vitamin a they just have what we call a retinoic acid reaction and they come up in redness and irritation all the time i find usually they're the people that either use too much or they're not using the product correctly or sometimes they've had a history of something like a really bad sunburn or they've done too much to their skin and they may actually have damaged retinoic acid cell receptors where They simply can't take up that much vitamin A and the skin just freaks out. So those people can only tolerate very low dosage, very small amounts of vitamin A or they will have reactions. Like you said, some people can never actually tolerate higher amounts and that's okay. We don't want to sort of force the cells so that they do have a reaction. Some people will be able to tolerate more vitamin A than others. I do tend to see the link between... Sun damage and a history of sun damage and then they can't use the vitamin A. It also depends on the area that they're using the vitamin A as well because if you're using it more on the neck, the neck tends to react more than the face or if you're putting it directly onto the cheeks, um, that can have more of a reaction because we tend to have drier cheeks or more of an impaired barrier on the cheek area. So how you use the vitamin A product, how you apply it, can also make a big difference on how your skin responds to it. And then we've got little tips as well, don't we, of how to use the vitamin A. You know, there's a sandwich technique. I don't know if you recommend that um, or buffering the vitamin A so that it's introduced to the skin a little bit more gently.
1: Yes, introducing it gently and slowly is important. Um, You made a really good comment about using vitamin A on a drier skin um, and and what percentage you would use. And that's a really good point because in particular, as you age, obviously skin dries out, it thins out, Um, getting into a more mature skin when you're prescribing vitamin A can be a little bit irritating as well. So picking your skin and really understanding what formulation you're using um, is pretty important when you're um, giving your clients vitamin A. Absolutely. Mm. And then once again, what ingredients you combine it with, how you apply it, really thinking about retinaldehyde or vitamin A products as essentially a serum that may have the consistency of a cream in particular, like retinaldehyde, it does the Medicaid one does look like a cream. Does, yeah. um, as you go up in percentages, it does become more yellow because obviously any vitamin A product, you know, tends to have that yellowy tinge, but I always explain to my clients, it does look like a cream use it as a serum be sparing avoid the eyes um and and use it obviously with the other ingredients that we've prescribed to ensure that you don't get those irritations and and the frequency of use is really dependent on the type of skin that you're dealing with and what's going on with that skin
0: that's a good point avoid the eyes because i have had people come back with products where they didn't realize and they've been using the vitamin a because they've heard it's good for aging around the eyes and then they've come up with like red rings and all swollen eyes.
1: So that's a really good point. Um <laughs> <times>.
0: <laughs> also if you do have a dry skin, what you can do is put your regular moisturiser on and then put the retinol or the retinal over the top. That just tends to act as a bit of a buffer and slows down the absorption, or you can mix in your moisturiser with the vitamin A and that just helps to buffer it a little bit. Um If it is a thinner texture, vitamin A, more of a serum texture, you might then want to sandwich it. So put moisturiser, then your vitamin A, then the moisturiser over the top again. So that can also help to um, just introduce it a little bit more slowly as well. And do you recommend Rose to
1: use vitamin A in the morning and night or just the night? it really comes down to the product and how it's been prescribed to use. So always follow mm-hmm. the brand that you are prescribing with and their instructions. Generally, retinaldehyde, as much as its, you know, stability is quite predictable, I still only recommend at night. Um, yep. Vitamin A essentially will always oxidise anyway. Um, so, yes, pretty much night time. It's something that I recommend because I've got other ingredients that I want to give clients during the day, you know, lots of antioxidants um so i just feel like it keeps it simple for the client and you can't overdose on it or overuse it if you just recommend it at night and i feel like it is the most effective in the evening and combining it with your moisturizer is a really good point i do tend to use that recommendation quite a lot in clinic Um, not so much the vitamin a on top of your moisturizer but combining it with the moisturizer that's definitely a technique i use is a
0: lot. Yeah, and it depends on the texture of the vitamin A as well. Um, if it's a thicker one, you, you wouldn't need to. It's, yes. It's, I, I think evening is better for retinol, retinaldehyde. Some people do say you can use it in the day. I tend to sort of just use it in the evening, as you've said, um, and I think most importantly, always follow the manufacturer's advice. And a bit of a funny story there. I was given a retinol product um, a couple of years ago. I was actually away teaching at the Golden Door in the Hunter Valley. I was doing a presentation, giving a presentation there, and I'd been given this Bretonon. It was it was a brand that I thought, "Oh, it might be very strong. <laughs> <laughs> My skin can handle it. I'm doing a talk tomorrow, you know, I want to look all radiant and glowy. It came with the buffer cream, and I thought, "Oh, I- they, they're being they're being super You know, cautious. You know, oh, I've got to put a buffer and you know mix it up. And I thought, oh, this won't be that strong. I'll just use it straight. I'll go neat. I'll go hardcore because my skin can handle it. (laughs) Even though I've got sensitive skin, I can tolerate the vitamin A really well. It's it's other ingredients I tend to react to. So I was like, yeah, I can handle it. So when I woke up in the morning, honestly, my face was bright red, I was all irritated. By the time my talk came in the evening, I literally looked like I'd had a chemical peel. I had um, skin literally hanging off me, and I think the whole talk was on skin and nutrition. So I thought, oh, I just used a vitamin A that was a bit stronger than I was expecting. Anyway, the moral of the story is, the instructions had very clearly said, use with buffer cream, and I didn't use it with the buffer cream. So moral of the story is always follow instructions even if you think you know best because in this instance the retinol was way stronger than I was anticipating and the buff cream was in there for a reason.
1: (laughs) Yes and uh, I think always following instructions that's pretty good advice (laughs) to avoid that situation from happening. I I have had um clients that have explained to me once I really delve into those um, questions and ask them okay how often are you using vitamin A you know you've got this irritation but how often have you used it you know how much have you used once you start delving into those um, answers then you realize you know less is more. Mm.
0: Less is more I normally say start for the newbies a couple of times a week building up to sort of every other evening and then eventually you can use it every day most people but not everybody some people will never be able to use it every day and as we've already said it really does depend on the actual skin type and how well they can tolerate vitamin a so i think we've covered pretty much everything there is with vitamin a i think the takeaways here really are not all vitamin a products are the same there are different forms of vitamin a your retinol palmitate tends to be more gentle there's retinol can be effective but it can be quite irritating as well you've also got newer forms such as your granactive retinol that um, tends to be less irritating not as much evidence however as your retinaldehyde which we both love it's our favorite retinaldehyde best evidence and in our opinion best results so retinaldehyde retinal is the one that we would recommend to look for Then, of course, you've got your prescription, your retinoic acid, which is doctor-prescribed. Usually, there needs to be a medical reason to have that prescribed for you and follow your doctor's recommendations of how to use it and when to use it, whether it should be a long-term or a short-term product to use. And when in doubt, always follow manufacturer's recommendation. And remember, it's
1: not the higher the percentage the better necessarily. Great. Right, less is more. And from a therapist's um, approach, understand your skin, understand the formulation, and really decide what are you trying to achieve with the skin. What do you want to utilize the retinol or your vitamin A or retinol product for? Really, really fine tune what you're trying to achieve because that will then give you the most predictable result. Absolutely.